Welcome to Demond Does, and today we're having a COVID conversation with Dr. Josh Smith. Josh is a doctor of psychology specializing in autism and developmental disorders. Give a hand and help me welcome Josh Smith. Thank you for having me today. This is great. (laughs) There are times I wish this was a visual medium because I am right now basically in a building that would look like my house. It's Marvel versus DC, so you're more of a Marvel guy? I prefer Star Wars to Star Trek. I prefer Marvel to DC. How do you describe your therapy method? Like, How do you assess and choose your modality on how you're going to work with your clients? Okay. Well, you know, since I specialize in working with autistic and developmentally disordered children, it's a little bit different than how other therapeutic processes might work. Okay. We're not going to sit down and talk for 50 minutes. It's not going to happen. Gotcha. I use a cognitive behavioral model, which involves looking at the thinking processes of the individual and then also developing behavior plans to help the individual overcome the problematic behavior that is occurring or to help them develop more pro-social behavior. Gotcha. The individuals that come here typically show some of the most difficult behavior. So I have people who are physically aggressive and hurting themselves. The first key is to try to develop behavior plans and strategies to help them overcome this detrimental behavior and also I spend a lot of time working with the cognitive processes of the parents Mm. because typically the parents will want to enable the children. So do things like the child will beat up the parent and then the parent will go buy them pizza, which is not good. No, that's reinforcing. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's reinforcing bad behavior. That is reinforcing bad behavior. You are less likely to change if you were to get a pizza afterwards. Georgia, if you ever listen to this as... um, as this girl, that a pizza will not happen if you hit me. I'm just want to let you know there will be there will be there will be repercussions that you will not like. Joel, if you're listening, yours will be worse. <laughs> I, I kid, I love. Them. Well, it's so, so easy to slip into because these children have chronic developmental disorders, and so you don't feel like they're doing these things out of anger or spite. They're just doing them because they have lost control. Right. And your and parents are more likely to catch them, to give them a break, or they're just too exhausted. Uh, and they just like, I'll just give them whatever they want. So they'll be quiet. Uh, recently, a mother had got spit in the face by her 13 year old son. And then she went and picked him up Denny's at three in the morning. I have to talk to them about, yes, they are autistic, but that doesn't mean that they can improve. And you have You can put expectations on them and you can deliver consequences for unproductive behavior. Children on any, whether they're on the spectrum or not, will still respond to. Very much so. And, you know, one of the things that I find interesting, uh, because I have four children and my oldest two children are autistic. Mm -hmm. Parents who come in here, they like that I have a doctorate degree, but I get more street cred by the fact that I have autistic children myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what they're going through. Right. Right. And, you know, my daughter is severely autistic, but she can sit through an hour of church and be appropriate. She does not hurt herself or other people. She doesn't property destruction. That's still a thing (laughs) that we have to work on from time to time. I mean, my daughter did throw an iPad into the baptismal font when my son was getting baptized, but (laughs) 
Wow. Which was great because I lifted the iPad up and said, this iPad is cleansed from the sins of this generation. (laughs) (laughs) What is the most common misconception people have about mental health? There are so many misconceptions about mental health. I think the number one misconception is that the individual is responsible for it, that they have done something wrong or they didn't do something the way they were supposed to or their parents made a mistake. There is a reason. There was something that led to this development. They have a hard time understanding that a person can be born with mental disorders just like you can have disorders in any organ of your body. So it's so it's not any different than having type one diabetes as an example. Right. So for example, I'm the oldest of four boys. I had three younger brothers. Mm-hmm. Two of them committed suicide. And you know, my parents are wonderful people. My second brother's funeral, somebody came up to me and said, I can't believe that you've had two brothers commit suicide. I thought your parents were good people. These are some of the misconceptions that people have about mental health. So people place blame when it comes to mental health? In the autism community, you know, we have that big debate about vaccines and whether vaccines cause autism. Right. So people have blamed me. Of course, your children are autistic. You had them vaccinated. But only two of them (laughs) have autism. So... And it was the oldest two. And I did read all the research about vaccines before I had my other children vaccinated. And this it was clear that vaccines do not cause autism. But I guarantee you, in the comments on this podcast, somebody will be talking about how vaccines cause autism. Translation, save it. As a parent, how can we help our children deal with their feelings around COVID-19? And how would you suggest we explain it to them? Okay, very good question. The first thing is to be concrete with children. Children don't do well with imaginary. You know, concretely say what it is. And if you don't know an answer, it's okay to say you don't know. That's perfectly fine. (laughs) They, They would appreciate that more than you making something up. I start off with saying, this is a disease that we have not been exposed to before. We are learning more about it all the time. We have been given certain instructions from health professionals on how we're going to stay safe, and we're going to follow those instructions. You may see other people not following those instructions, and that's their business. Every family decides for themselves. No matter what happens, we're going to do what's best for us and our family. Then, very simply, ask the child, regardless of age, what questions do you have about COVID-19? Because I've done that with my own children. I've done it with my clients. I find it very interesting the kind of questions that I get. Can we get it from the dog? Some children really worry about that. How can we make sure grandma stays healthy? That's a, I worry about that. Right, right. (laughs) Providing them an opportunity to just ask any question that comes to their mind because you don't know what they might worry about and what they might not worry about. One of the other things is providing them an opportunity to stay busy. One of the things that's going on is screen time for children has gone up exponentially since March. There is something that I recommend for children. I call it the Dr. Josh Big Four. Four things that children should do, and actually I think adults should do it too, every day to help them stay mentally occupied during this time. One, 
do something creative. Write a poem, color, draw, something like that. Number two, do something physical. Get some exercise. And you can exercise indoors. It's perfectly legal. Learn something. Uh, so that can be read a book. It can also be learn a skill. Learn to bake. Learn to do household chores. Learn a language. You have the time. And number four, do something kind. That is a big one. Wow. Mm. You know, people say, well, you can't do something kind now. Oh, you can do plenty of things kind. Call a relative who is sheltering in place alone. Right. Your daughter could carry on a conversation for an hour with somebody. <laughs> that would be the highlight of their day. Yes. Yes, she can. <laughs> if I can get her to sit still that long. Right. But finding ways to do things that are kind. Screen time may or may not be up, but at least you've had four things that access four different parts of the brain that help you stay stimulated. So those four activities access or light up basically different parts of the brain. Correct. For example, and this is one of the big things that happens when children have too much screen time. Mm -hmm. Everything is presented to them. Mm -hmm. So there's no creativity. And creativity among children is way low. Really? Yes, because, you know, I know when I was a kid, uh, Playtime consisted of going outside and figuring out something to do. Right. Right. <laughs> and we had to make up our own games. And, right. And that requires a lot of creativity. The, the play is uh, presented to them mm. with no creativity necessary. Sometimes in my social skills group, I take kids out and I just have a lot of play equipment. And I say, go play. And they're like, well, what do we do? Wow. So that creativity is more of the temporal lobe. Okay, And that is like, uh, needs to be exercised just like any other part of the brain. Right. With physical exercise, that is the muscle movement areas of the brain. And, you know, there are some children that are really good at playing and being in athletics, but there are some that just are not. Right. And when I was growing up, I was never like on any athletic team. Mm-hmm. But I did play basketball with the kids in the neighborhood. Right. And I did play baseball and we played games that we made up. So I knew how to move around. Right. So like the cerebellum, which is the coordination part of the brain. There are some kids, 16 and 17, can't walk down the aisle without in a straight line because they're uncoordinated. Because they haven't learned how to move their body in space. And this is not, and these aren't kids on the, these aren't kids some on of the them, spectrum. Some of them are not on the spectrum. Wow. I know kids on the spectrum who are 15 years old who can't ride a bike. That makes me sad. It does make, because like when I grew up, bike riding was necessary. Right. <laughs> if you wanted to get to your friends, if you wanted, to, the store was like a couple blocks away. I mean, you had to, you had to bike ride to get where you needed to go. Right. So I was like bike riding at five. Yeah. The kindness accesses the prefrontal cortex. Okay. Which is the one that helps us develop empathy for others. And which is another area where people, you see this even among adults, they have a hard time considering what it's like for another person. And you even see this in adults when you're trying to talk about what another person might be going through. And they're like, well, that's not what I go through. And I'm like, well, that's not what we're talking about. Right. There are, <laughs> there, there are 7 billion people that are not you. In this situation, nobody is enjoying COVID-19. Right. But when you bake a plate of cookies and put it on your aunt's porch and, mm -hmm. and then go away, 
you're thinking, you know what? Maybe it's worse for my aunt than it is for me. And then just learning things. The schools weren't ready for something like this. They sent the kids home with a bunch of busy work to do. So they really haven't been learning things. You know, we limit what we think learning is to just what, you know, algebra and reading. But learning is a lot of different things. So that's why I keep a lot of these things vague, because if you want to teach your 14-year-old son how to change oil, you can do that. That's learning. Right. You want to teach your kid how to bake bread. That's learning. But learn things. Message. (laughs) How do we prepare to go back with family and friends in public places when there are some people not following the guidelines. You kind of touched on that earlier. Is there any anything else? We've talked about that a little bit. Is there anything you wanted to expand on that? Well, you know, it's, it's important to be real clear about what your expectations are. So in my family, we went back to the church for the first time yesterday. One thing is to go over the rules of the environment where you were at. So at the service we went to, masks were recommended but they were not required so i explained to the children that we will be wearing masks and if you see someone not wearing a mask you're not going to say anything you're just going to keep your mask on some people are very touchy people i'm lucky my children are not that but you would say you know we're not going to be going around hugging people right that's not appropriate right now again that's something i might have to go through (laughs) i always like on the in the car reviews, because that's when you have their attention. Right, right, right. Do you do it right before you get out? Or? Like while we're driving there, maybe especially like the last ten minutes before we get there. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going, we're going to go to church. What are we going to do first? We're going to go to the bathroom and wash our hands. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to place judgments on things. Some families I know with they have, they still haven't left the house. Some families I know are doing things and going places. It's really up to them. But you just be clear what your values are as a family and reinforce those. And our last question. When trying to be informed and find peace of mind around COVID-19 and everything else that's going on, because we've had civil unrest, to say the least, also on top of all this, um, where do you suggest uh, we go for information? I have this one young man that I work with, and he's great. But unfortunately, and this, I've been working with him for a year, he has an immense fear of germs and coughing. So COVID-19. <laughs> it's taken all the boxes. It's, yes, it's not oh, good. Poor baby. I know. Before COVID-19, we would do some exposure things. Like I found this YouTube video, four hours of coughing sounds. And I would make him listen to it for 10 minutes every day. Now we got limited on some of the things that we can do uh, when COVID-19 came out, we talk a lot. One of the things is he would obsess and look at all the different websites and read all the different information hours a day. So he was limited to the, do the federal COVID website and the Indiana website. And he couldn't do more than 10 minutes of that each day. Now he would still get upset about the totals. One of the other things about his behavior plan is he couldn't ask the same question more than once. One of the things that he got upset about is during this COVID-19, it was his parents' 20th anniversary, and they wanted to do something. Sure. And there was limited options, because I think this was like late March or early April. So they got uh, Carrie out Olive Garden and ate it in the car. 
And he was upset with them that they weren't taking the virus seriously. <laughs> in this one, we were establishing one of the big things with children is establishing there is the child role and the adult role. Parents will establish the safety measures for the house. The mother said, your father and I had tickets to a cruise that we just weren't able to go on for our 20th anniversary. You're going to let us eat Olive Garden in a car. I really encourage children and parents not to go outside of health experts for their information right now. It is amazing. Social media has its advantages and its disadvantages. The kind of misinformation that, that's been going out on social media about this virus and that the kids have been believing is just insane. In as much as I've also had children believe that the COVID-19 uh, came about because of the 5G. And I've had to also work hard it's so sad. There was this young man that I work with, and one of his uh, grandparents passed away. Maybe the parents presented too much information because he went around drawing art about how much he hated China because they killed his grandfather. Because I get questions about the etiology of COVID-19. Sure. All I can say is right now we know that the first cases were diagnosed in China, but we don't know how. We don't know, we don't know under what circumstances, just that right now, that's what we understand. And it goes back to what we were previously talking about, this tendency to want to find fault. And sometimes there is not fault. Sometimes it just is what it is. I don't go around doing hate propaganda against chickens for chicken pox. But with the civil unrest, you know, it's amazing talking to autistic people about this subject is just fascinating. I had uh, this autistic young man, and now autistic people are great because they'll just say it out loud. They don't care. <laughs> he said to me, what is Juneteenth? I've never heard of it. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it. <laughs> I'm glad that you asked. And so we exp I explained it and I was talking to him about it. And then I realized he didn't have a really good understanding of a lot of the history of the 1800s. He didn't understand that America had slaves. So he's like, so Dr. Josh, are you telling me that every black person that I meet is here because somebody forced his ancestors to come here? Most of them, yes. Most of them, yes. Uh, How did he take that? He was, like, he was like, wow, that's really bad. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, and he's like, no wonder they want to celebrate being free from slavery. And he said, and I thought this was interesting. He said, you know, when you think of it, Dr. Josh, July 4th really isn't their Freedom Day. It's Juneteenth. I want to give that kid a hug. <laughs> well, you know, the nice thing about it is they don't come with these preconceived, like, this is what my father said or this is what my grandfather said. That doesn't matter to them. They just like, well, this is the information and I'm just going to go with it and I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. Now, sometimes it doesn't come out well. <laughs> but yeah, not, I can imagine. <laughs> but it's easier to change when, when people are being 100% honest. That's true. I will say that it is important for all of us to, no matter what race or situation we are in, to talk to our children about these issues. I do believe that having children exposed to children of diverse races, religions, and cultures is one of the best forms of education. Absolutely. 
it has made a big difference in my life. You know, I did my internship at Jewish Family Services having never really met a Jewish person before. Interesting. And I learned a lot. I bet. <laughs> and I find that if you are just quiet and respectful and ask appropriate questions, people do want to share with you about their race and culture, and you won't offend them. And you, you'll, you'll both be better for it. Absolutely. Because I've asked dangerously close to inappropriate questions about cultures that I don't know anything about. People feel intentions. That's just my, that's just my belief. It, work, it, it, it works for me. People tend to feel intentions. Most people do. Right. And if you're coming in it with the right intention, there's less of the defensiveness. And th- this is this is just from my own perspective. I just, I, well, well, I, what, I, what, are your, what are your what are your thoughts? I completely agree. And you know, going about it as just I want to learn, I want to know more. You know, I'll never forget at Jewish Family Services. Uh, one of my responsibilities was to help out in the Jewish preschool and come up with behavior plans for the autistic children there. How was that different? Well, the only thing really different is they would teach them about Jewish holidays and customs. And then every Friday they celebrated Shabbat. Gotcha. But I got to tell you, I love Shabbat. Challah bread, I mean, is awesome. (laughs) Delicious. I remember they had this series called Sammy the Spiders Teaches the Jewish Holidays. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And I would read the book to to this four-year-old and it would be like, Oh, so that's what Purim is. I've never heard of it. <laughs> this is interesting, isn't it, Tommy? <laughs> like, we're both learning stuff today. <laughs> right? And I, I really am, am grateful that I was raised in a family where we interacted with people of various races and religions and sexual orientations, and it was just not a big thing. If you're raised with that kind of exposure, the children will not be judgmental when they meet people who are different. Ooh, new, new friend. <laughs> Do you have anything for me or anything you want, anything you would like to share with my listeners? My business, Caitlin's Place on Charlestown Road in New Albany. We specialize in working with uh, children with developmental disorders and autism. And the only thing that I will say is that if you are concerned that your child may have special needs, please have them tested early because early intervention is the best. I'd like to thank Dr. Josh Smith once again for his time and thank you. Now, before you go, please take a second to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a star rating and review. It's not for the ego. It's for algorithms to help us get seen. So if a show like mine shows up on Apple Podcasts at the bottom where it says more just like this one, It'll start showing demand us. That's what we're trying to get so people can see it. You, and I know you do want more people to see the show or he- see or hear about the show, don't you? Of course you do. So to help the show, you might want to take a minute and do that. That would be awesome, and I appreciate you. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week. So until next time, see it, hear it, speak it, live. <laughs>